0: psychocinematic the podcast where we analyze depictions of mental illness and disability in film and tv or aka ruin your favorite movies and tv shows before we start this podcast is not designed to be therapeutic prescriptive or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener for a longer version of this disclaimer please visit the episode notes on your podcast app please note that this episode contains discussions of suicide if this episode brings up anything for you, Lifeline is available twenty four seven on one three double one one four, and Beyond Blue on one three hundred double two four six three six. For the third time, lucky. Oh my god! I have the incredible. <laughs> oh my god! Maz with me Thank again today. Thank you so much. That was that was such a good intro. And in the flesh.
1: In the flesh. I'm in Melbourne, everyone. I've been in Melbourne this week. It's amazing. So
0: um, I just want to start off today by thanking everybody who joined us for our Sia live stream. But yeah, it was really fun. Uh, We have a few new... Uh, Patreon subscribers oh that patrons in. patrons.
1: Um, full disclosure, I didn't uh, watch it. I'm so sorry. Well,
0: you're kind of part of the cinematic team. Yeah, I don't so have any obligation. To
1: give you. Um, but also I was packing to come here, so yeah. I was really busy.
0: Um, but I just want to shout out Elise Mcglashen. Robbie Nielsen and Nathan Phillips as our Our most recent patrons. We also have some special episodes coming up as well, which are so far things we couldn't fit into the major episodes that don't really go anywhere.
1: (laughs) Uh, Just let me just quickly tell the story. Um, I was running a bit late tonight um, because I was having dinner with my parents and I was just like, mom, do you know anyone who's murdered anyone? And she was like, what a stupid question. But then she was like, yes, actually.
0: Oh, my God. Also, just so you know, Maz's mum is my mum. Yes, our <laughs> mum. I'm sorry. My, not my mum. I've forgotten his name. Brett Blatch. It's all right. He's out in the...
1: That's He's the murderer, but, like... we what We can name and shame murderers. So, apparently, he murdered someone in the car park at the Sunnybank Hotel in the 80s. Holy oh fuck. So, this man lived across the road from mum and was really good friends with Uncle Cam. Um,
0: Our uncle.
1: Yes. So the reason why there's like a whole story about it because my granddad who's 90, this murderer's dad is having his 90th and his family asked mum if granddad would like to come to the 90th and then um, mum asked if Brett Blatch would be there, the murderer, who's actually now out of jail, um, and he's going to be there. So granddad's not going to (laughs) go, but he apparently, he murdered someone in Sunnybank hotel parking lot. Was it someone he knew? I'm not sure. I don't know how many details on that one, but the second murder, he, I found, I did some research and it was only 2002. Um, him and this other guy murdered a man and he's out of jail now for some reason, but the place that they used to live together this murderer and his accomplice um, was the same place that Daniel Morgan was taken um, after he was abducted by that guy.
0: Oh my God. But this was
1: like five years before that happened. But still, it's like, I just don't even, yeah, it was just a wild
0: story. How and is he still out of, how is he out of jail if he actually murdered more than one person? Well,
1: I don't know. I couldn't find any information about the Sunnybank Hotel murder. Maybe no one knows about it, I'm sure they Like, there was info, she wasn't lying. But if it happened in the 80s, that's like 40 40 years ago, so I guess it's enough time to, like, go to prison and stuff. Yeah, and
0: 25 years is a life sentence, so... Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I'm a bit late and just had to share that with um, all of our
0: listeners. (laughs) Let's get to the movie, The Virgin Suicides. Now, you wanted to do this one, Maz. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this?
1: Well, it wasn't my idea at first, uh, because you were talking to Nick about doing it. Yeah. And then, so I was, Nick is our brother. Nick didn't really know what to say about it. But maybe it's just the experience of being a female and being the subject of the male gaze 24-7. Yes. Um, I just kind of had a lot more to say about it through conversations. So I stole it from him.
0: Well, this is a movie I have loved. Very, very hardcore. And I'm pretty sure I watched it before you because I would have been a lot older than you. You definitely watched it before <laughs> me. Um, So, yeah, 1999
1: I was five. So, no, I didn't see it when it came out.
0: <laughs> Which means I was 13.
1: Oh, prime. I probably
0: also didn't see it when it came out, to be fair. Well, yeah, probably not. And it is based on a book by Jeffrey... Eugenides? I was reading it Eugenides. <laughs> but Eugenides sounds right. Eugenides sound, sounds more like how you're supposed to say it. Eugenides. Is. <laughs> Mr. Eug- eugenides. eugenides Levy. And it was directed by Sophia Coppola. Oh. And it was her first...
1: It's her debut.
0: Her first feature film. And it was
1: Mr. Eugenides' debut also. First, first novel. First novel.
0: There yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. yeah, I saw it when I was 13. And I loved it. I was obsessed with it. I've watched <laughs> it a lot. One of the movies I've seen one of the most.
0: Why do you think you've loved it so much?
1: I was 13 and I just started to feel like very, very anxious, I think. Um, and then I started to, I think, identify with the mental health aspects of the movie of being depressed and, and isolated and angsty and also never really felt very pretty or, or beautiful. So I always really wanted to be the girls, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I rewatched it a couple of years ago and Kind of hated it a little bit.
0: Oh, how cool. Um,
1: when I was 13, I watched it like totally uncritically because I was 13. When I was older, I watched it very critically and then I've rewatched it again after doing a bit of reading about it and I have a different opinion again. So
0: yeah, I also watched it as a teenager. I can't recall exactly what age I was, but it would have been between the ages of 13 and 17. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so captured by just the angst of the movie and The score is beautiful, and the soundtrack, like the actual pop songs in the in the movie, are amazing. I got into Todd Rundgren.
1: Oh my god, (laughs) I love Todd Rundgren. (laughs) Um,
0: Like it's not like they were really indie tracks, but I really loved them all. Yeah, and um, you know, I also wanted to be—I wanted to be the mysterious sad girl at school Mm. that boys and we never want. and we never will be. And I was going through just that, not as extreme as I did as an adult, but some anxiety and Mm -hmm. and depression and just not feeling like I fit in and feeling very isolated and lonely, which I think is a big theme in the movie. Mm -hmm. So it really, it spoke to that and, you know, the dreamlike quality of the film just sort of makes you see the world in that same dreamlike quality which is I don't know it's it's just a really beautifully made film so that's how it
1: I was and I was going through my little phase of being like I want to be a filmmaker um and just being like
0: cinema cinema photography
1: (laughs) (laughs) the cinematography is so beautiful and it is it's like stunning and like watching it again it's like it wasn't just me being young and being like this movie looks great it still looks amazing and it's Edited really well and just, like, it's just a, a hell of a time. It's a really, really well-made movie, I think. Regardless of how I feel about its content and its portrayal, the movie itself is great.
0: Absolutely. Still. And I read the book, mm. finished it about five minutes ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. On the toilet! <laughs> On the toilet, Mouse had the whole thing. And it is actually extremely truthful to the book. Like... It's almost like Sophia Coppola didn't really... She wrote the screenplay as well, and she probably didn't have to dig that deep because so many of the scenes in the book are translated on the film, like word for word, yeah. shot for shot. Like Maybe that's the, way the problem. Uh, I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to hot take it up, up front. I think that might be the problem. That's my... The problem with the film? Is that it's too true to the book. Mm. But we'll get there.
0: Picture a hot, hazy suburban summer. There's a there's a young girl sucking on a popsicle on the on the street. Lolita esque. Lolita esque. It's a quiet but dull and boring neighbourhood, but quite beautiful. There are trees being chopped down everywhere, and then we hear sirens in the background. Mm. You would never expect something like never. something so terrible to happen.
1: You would never in such a beautiful place. Oh, shut up. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we find that. In this neighbourhood, a young girl, Cecilia Lisbon, has attempted suicide. She slits her wrists in a bathtub, um, is admitted to hospital, is given a bit of therapy. Her family attempt to throw her a party as per the guidance of the psychiatrist that she sees Dr. Danny DeVito. Dr. Danny DeVito. Uh, with her four other sisters, the Lisbon sisters, who are just beautiful blonde girls. But during that party, she throws herself out of the window and successfully completes suicide. It's a widespread news story. Everyone has an opinion on it in the movie. Uh, amongst this is also a cemetery workers' strike, which I think is a bit of a theme throughout the movie that's supposed to say something, but I'm not sure. Why. Is it? I don't know. Let me just <laughs> quickly Google that. Let me fact check you. Keep going. Help. Oh. Throughout this film, a group of boys sort of reflecting on everything that's happened and are desperately in love with the Lisbon sisters. They find Cecilia's diary to try to make sense of the girls and try to make sense of why Cecilia ended her life and become quite close to them through what they sort of discover and learn about the girls without actually really talking to them. Without
1: talking to them at all. No. Honestly, but yeah.
0: The girls eventually go back to school but no one really knows how to be around them and one of the younger girls, Lux, played by Kirsten Dunst, starts getting around with the boys which is how they kind of learn a bit more about the girls. Trip Fontaine is the only reliable boy who I gets think he's to know ugly. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, I think he's ugly. Sorry, Played by on. Josh Hartnett, who's I don't know what Josh is up to these days. Oh yeah, Come he
1: like withdrew from Hollywood.
0: Oh my god. Yeah,
1: he like just like um has a family now. Okay. <laughs>
0: That's what he's doing with his time. Gross. Yeah. Trip Fontaine convinces their very, very, very strict parents to uh, take Lux to homecoming only if all the girls can go together. So he he finds three other boys to take the other girls. They go to homecoming, have an amazing time, but Lux and Trip go off and have sex mm. uh, past curfew. Mm. When Lux comes home without Trip because he fucking ditched her,
1: mm.
0: all hell breaks loose and they are in pretty much house arrest. From that point onwards, the parents won't let them go out. They take them out of school. The house is basically in maximum security isolation. Her mum makes Lux destroy all her rock records. Lux starts having sex with boys on the rooftops while, while all the other boys watch from next door, which I is fucking really fucking it. creepy. And then they cut down the tree that Cecilia loved. Except it's in the next shot. What? <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Continuity error. Continuity error. <laughs> Eventually, the girls end up contacting the boys that are uh, watching and spying on them uh, through letters and then using Morse clothes through the lights yeah. of the house. And in a really beautiful scene that's lifted out of high school dreams, they play each other records through the telephone. Oh. But that indeed stops because I think the parents cotton on.
1: I think they do it like once.
0: The girls end up being able to ask the boys to meet them at midnight and wait for the lights. So the boys expect that they're breaking them out of the house mm-hmm. to to freedom. Prison break. But they meet Lux at the door. She's smoking. She stalls them for a bit. She goes to her car and then tells them to wait five minutes. But eventually they walk through the house and discover that all the girls have suicided and Lux does so in the car. They go back to their lives which is easier for their parents, their rich parents, to do, but the boys are still thinking about them. And I guess it's, in the book at least, it's it's sort of them interviewing all the previous characters to try and make sense of why the girls why, suicided.
1: Why did it happen? How so did the end they of the movie
0: that? is like, we still don't know. We just don't know. Yeah, it goes
1: on for a bit because they suicide and then there's like 20 minutes of the film left, and maybe like 15 minutes of just oh. like conclusion. Like Yeah. yeah.
0: And in the book, um, one of the girls actually doesn't successfully mm. complete suicide. Is it Mary? Mary, yeah. Mary. So she lives for another month before she takes sleeping pills and then dies. So it kind of makes more sense that it gets dragged out. Yeah, but not in, not so much in the movie. In the
1: in the um, book, does like does Mary have any dialogue after no. all the girls? Is, she, <laughs> is it just like retelling of what happened, and then she?
0: Yeah, there's no dialogue. I mean, there's no not much dialogue between the girls at all. No,
1: no. Oh, and we'll get to that. Oh,
0: we'll get to that. Steph, can I go to the toilet? I'm so sorry. Yes.
1: It's interesting watching it now because when I was younger watching it, I didn't see it from the perspective of this is the boys telling the story. Yes. Yep. And it's only taken me till now to realise that it's not their story. It's not the girls' story. It's the boys' story. Yes. Um, yes. 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 (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) it took me a little while as well. Yeah.
1: And it's really interesting because it's whenever like doing this reading, it's like integral to like every article I've read about how it's all centered around the male gaze, but I didn't see that. Yeah. When I was 13. Um, and I think that's the problem with this movie because I think there are two ways to watch it. Basically the way I used to watch it. And the way that probably most people watch it, and the way that I'm watching it now, which is it's a critique of the male gaze and mm-hmm. critique of boys and men's obsession with women and fantasizing about them but not knowing who they are in any
0: way. And truly. I, I might be jumping ahead, but in essence, kind of glorifying yes. their sadness, loneliness, and suicide. Yes. Because they're sort of this unattainable, godlike creatures.
1: Mm. When I was reading about it today, I found some good articles and quotes about
0: basically the whole the
1: whole movie is narrated,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: everything that we see by like
0: Giovanni Ribisi.
1: Everything we see the girls do, we're kind of I think supposed to believe that it's just the boys' recollections of them and yeah. their experiences of what they're doing. Um, and when reading the book or watching the movie, like as with any piece of media, you either like we as an audience have the choice of adopting the norms and ideals carried out by the narrator or the mm-hmm. author uncritically or by consuming it and looking at the subtle ways in which it's making it a point or a criticism or, you know, yeah. <laughs> finding the meaning that's in the text without just consuming it.
0: Yeah, I I think that's really important because I, th- I think I was the same as you when I first saw the movie and I, I did read the book probably in my early 20s, I think. You know, I interpreted it the non-critical way. Yeah. And now, as a w- older, wiser <laughs> woman, it's in the more critical way. Mm. And it's still good, but problematic.
1: Yes. Um, I was reading an article by a girl named Risa Coronel, um, and she recounts her experience of watching it, and she says, um, I understood and related to the girls, but completely missed the point of the film. And I... Th- did too?
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, same. <laughs> she also says that
1: Coppola expects a certain level of intelligence from her viewers, hoping that they will infer the inner turmoil that the girls are facing through what little information we are given about them. But, unfortunately, the truth is that a broad percentage of her audience probably do not possess this emotional intelligence. will leave the film trying to figure out why they killed themselves and the mental state they were in.
0: Yeah.
1: I understand now that what we're viewing is the boys' projection onto the girls' But I didn't know that when I was thirteen, and I when I watched it two years ago, I didn't know that either. So I was like, "What? Am, what is This is this is yucky. This is gross." But now I get it a lot more.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting in the movie and the book. There's no one boy that is mm. the narrator. It's mm. like we. And so it could have been Joe Conley or Parky or party. Kevin Head. <laughs> yeah, you know, could have been any of them. And that's I think also the problem because it's. Um, it's a
1: nondescript boy. It's like the passive past tense, I think. Oh, no, passive collective tense. Whatever. Um, because it's the we. It adds credibility to their narrative um, of the Like that's happening. how
0: anyone would be thinking yeah. and feeling. And I think in the book. Boys in general. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like everyone. And therefore it is the truth, but really.
0: But I think it's pretty clear. Like there's bits in the book. and I know we're talking about the movie, but in the book. No, they're very in, you know, they're very similar, as I've said. There's a whole passage on a conversation between like the girls and the guys that are demolishing the trees. Mm. And they've said this may have not been what they said. That's just what we kind of assumed based on what we saw that this is the conversation right. that happened. So you already know that it's an unreliable narrator. Yeah. From the book and I think you can sort of assume that in the movie too because it's all based on their recollections, mm. interviews with people from the past, etc. I think, also, you, I think you're right that like Sophia assumes people are intelligent enough to yeah. figure that out. And it's not
1: about like, cause I'm really fucking smart, but it's like, <laughs> um, you don't have to be like super like non-critical and non-judgmental to not get it because two years ago, I, like I was also really smart then. Um,
0: <laughs> Smartness yeah. is innate.
1: Yes. But I'm used to critiquing things and I didn't realize that's what I'm supposed to
0: do Mm. but it's
1: also really strange because I think the movie kind of pivots at a certain point so towards the beginning we're kind of seeing we 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 kind of get the sense that we are actually watching like looking in on them but then from about halfway like after the prom uh homecoming whatever it is we see a lot more scenes of just them without the boys being there or anyone else just them in the house yeah so Because, like, they're there alone, it's less voyeuristic. So we're Mm. not getting a complete picture of who they are. And we're kind of led to believe that they actually don't have personalities. Yeah. When, in reality, I'm sure there was much more going on there.
0: But yeah, it's just a bit weird, and it's the only time—the ta- only time you see them have personalities and and a little bit of differentiation between each other—is when they go to the prom. Yes, and then it all goes away.
1: Well, yeah, because so, like when they're in isolation in the house doing nothing, they don't have voices, they don't have any agency or anything. Mm. They're just
0: which I think is also a filmmaking trick of to so how they were probably feeling. And... Mm.
1: I just think if we're if we're doing dealing with something like suicide, a more complete picture would have been helpful
0: I agree so let's start with our first category of lived experience Maz, mm-hmm. this is a section I neglected today she didn't do it <laughs> She did last time it. as well
1: it was right it was very hard to find information um Sophia Coppola keeps um her personal life pretty under wraps well that would make
0: sense given her Dad is Francis Ford, Copeland. yeah, and given a very famous family, she
1: was kind of um bullied pretty young for, for being, being a terrible in actress in the yeah. Godfather part yeah. three, yeah, it was no good. I actually, I I'd finished doing my research and then I stumbled upon this article where she talks about her when she was 15, her eldest brother died in a boating accident really oh, suddenly, shit. and she talks about um, that was her inspiration, well, no, it's what led her to the virgin suicides, um, mm-hmm. and it gave her a connection to the virgin suicides because it's about loss. Kirsten Dunst makes mm. it like the, a bit easier to find stuff on her. So she's been treated for depression. She went to rehab um, and struggled with drug abuse yeah. and alcohol
0: use. I think. And she's played depression really well yeah. in the movies. Melancholia, I'd mm. like to do that one one day. So you can, yeah, you can kind of tell that she's got that lived experience, I think.
1: Um, Jeffrey, <laughs> I'm going to keep saying eugenide. Um, <laughs> he, nothing, couldn't find anything about him, but he said... The inspiration for the plot came to him when his nephew's teenage babysitter told him that she and her sisters planned to commit suicide when he asked why she said we were under a lot of pressure. And that is, (laughs) that's apparently why he wrote the book. Mm -hmm. So
0: I'm curious to know whether they actually attempted or tried.
1: Yeah. Um, James Woods (laughs) couldn't find any experience with mental illness, but he is a very outspoken Trump supporter. That is Oh. Yeah, and I didn't know that till a couple of weeks ago, and my hopes and dreams just came crashing down. I don't know why. I just...
0: You love Jimmy Woods?
1: Or I lo- did before. <laughs> Apparently. I was really into him. No, I don't. Maybe from this movie, I just liked him.
0: Oh, that's really sad.
1: Um, Kathleen Turner is a recovering alcoholic. She suffered oh. from arthritis, but instead of using painkillers, she turned to alcohol. Um, oh. She went to rehab for that. Josh Hartnett apparently suffers from anxiety.
0: Uh-huh. There's some lived experience there. Yeah. A little bit.
1: I expected to find a stronger connection with the author and... Um, yeah. Maybe there's something there he hasn't talked about it.
0: But so. it's a little bit like, obviously, a much, much better movie and book. But like in Me Before You, where the author just like read something somewhere mm. and went, oh, I'm going to make a book about that. It's kind of like he did the same thing. And I haven't read any of his, of his other books, so I don't really know what his themes are. But he just heard that someone was going to end their lives with their sisters and thought, I might write a book about that. Maybe. Yeah, it's
1: like yeah. an interesting anecdote that you kind of hear that, like, I've got, I'm full of them, so I could find a better reason to write a book. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, it it might explain a few things as to... The fact that he still can't figure out why they yeah. suicided. Because he just had
1: no information about it. Maybe
0: he didn't actually look into it. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, oh, that's weird. And then it's just like, oh, I'm going to write a book about it. And surely only these beautiful heavenly creatures would think of doing Yeah. It. So let's have a look at how accurate the depiction is. And I was going to like look at depression specifically. But depre- the word depression isn't really used that often in the movie or the book. I don't know if it's ever used, actually, in the movie. It is in, in the, the book. Yeah. But it's not really a depiction of depression. It's a depiction of suicide through the eyes of boys. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I thought we could just focus on how accurate is the depiction of suicide, the, the response to suicide, the, the things that make up the, the world of the girls that could lead to suicide mm-hmm. and, and the sort of aftermath. I will say this. Yes.
1: Um. I was reading an article just before we started recording. Don't know where it's from. But I forgot all about it. But it was talking about thirteen reasons why. Have you watched oh, that? Yes. Um, and it like it. That's all like, you need to know. Is my response. Yes. <clears throat> so bad. Um. But comparing these two pieces of media because the suicides in both don't seem to stem from a specific mental illness that's dealt with. Yes. Um. In thirteen reasons why she's bullied. And suicide is her response to that, mm-hmm. uh, to get back at her friends. And it's in Spoiler that...
0: Spoiler alert! Sorry. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a bit of a... It, it's kind of a choice to not... To, to use suicide as such a central theme of the movie and book without...
0: It's even in the title.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, without even giving it a clear-cut reason.
0: Um, and I think the key difference between 13 Reasons Why and Virgin Suicides is it's literally spoken from her mouth, because the tapes are all yeah. from her, whereas this book, this is nothing she, yeah. is said yeah. from the Yeah, it's all a projection, so yeah. maybe... Maybe it is more problematic. Who knows?
1: <laughs> but no, like maybe the girls talked about it, and or maybe they had conversations. Maybe they saw more therapists or whatever. But we're taking the narrative from five weird boys, so yeah, <laughs> and they are fucking weird. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> the but, boys yeah. are weird. Now. Yeah, they are. They still.
0: <sighs> On that note, um, I've got some notes about the first suicide of the book, which mm-hmm. is part of the movie, which is the beginning. The first, yes. one of the first things you see is well, the first is attempt her lying in a in a bar. And it's, I feel like it is a little bit glorified. It is. The first shot is like the,
1: the perfume bottles and the, the Japanese fan. And it's all, it's all beautiful.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. It,
1: it, it is extremely beautiful. Like the colour grading, um, the
0: shots. I mean, the colour grading of the whole film is just yeah. gorgeous. So everything looks beautiful, sadly. Um, I do like one of the first lines. Um, the doctor, when she's in the hospital, it's like, "What are you doing here, honey? You're not even old enough to know how bad life gets." And she's like, "Obviously, doctor, you've never been a 13 year old girl," which is just a key line. I fucking hate that <laughs> line so much. It's just—I mean, the actor who says it is just like a Honestly, bit on the the, It's a bit on the nose the Too way she me. says. She's it. She's so like, "Fuck off, I'm 13." <laughs> <laughs> but it's a—it's a good little snippet of how adults. Professional adults don't always get it and just cuz you haven't lived a big life doesn't mean you shouldn't be worried about shit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like adults in general really don't listen to kids. Mm-hmm. And and really invalidate their experiences a lot of the time and this is just that in a nutshell.
1: Personally, I feel like I've had, I've had that conversation with people a lot. I've been mm. like, my, my anxiety is really bad. Oh, what do you have to be anxious about? It's like, well, nothing. That's the point. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. why it's called anxiety, yeah.
0: not just normal. My mode. brain is
1: malfunctioning.
0: I think also like throughout Cecilia, before she eventually does end her life, the way she's just very flat mm-hmm. and monotone, she wears the same dress all the time. Mm-hmm. The parents throwing her the party and she's obviously not having a good time and uses that as an opportunity to escape and complete her suicide. It just kind of shows, I guess, the the commitment she had to that, which can sadly be the case for people who are quite suicidal.
1: Yeah, and I think she probably would have shown um, more obvious warning signs if we were given a chance to know her a little better.
0: And that's probably a huge problem with the book and the movie is... That's how it starts. Yeah,
1: well, even during that period, um, before she first tries and then completes
0: suicide, we don't
1: know anything about her.
0: Then we know she's not happy, but well, we do. Like the boys read her diary entries, it's but like before or after? No, I think it's after. And you can you can kind of see the trajectory as well as in the book of how her entries kind of change. Mm-hmm. But one one major thing in the diary is she's not really she's not really talking about anything that happened to her. It's yeah. more what's happened to everybody else. So like that in itself is that sort of detachment from life mm-hmm. around her. You know, if I was a psychologist in the '70s in this fictional world, I could be like, hey, let's talk. Yeah. Maybe I could you know pick up a sign or two that yeah. she's not really in touch with. <laughs> not not what the boys say, not in touch with reality, but just not. A dreamer. What we have here is a dreamer.
1: <laughs> but also on that same point, it's like in her diary, there may have been things where she talks about herself, but the boys are so eager to like look for things about them or look for like yes. salacious details. They probably skip them. Like, yeah. I don't know. Who knows?
0: And I th- like there's one, like a poem that she writes where it's like the trees with lungs filling up with air. My, my sister, sister, the, the mean, mean one, pulling my, my hair. hair. And <laughs> they read that there's a voiceover of her voice and there's air music behind it where like it's a really beautiful, dreamy poem. It's a really fucking sad point. Yeah, yeah, she's talking about her sister bullying her and, like... And the, the trees with lungs filling up with air, which are being cut down in the neighborhood.
1: Oh, my God, so symbolic. <laughs>
0: but, like... So, like, they're not even reading sad, desperate cries for help yeah. in the book as what they are.
1: Yeah, they're reading that as, like, oh, my God, that's so... That's so sexy. She's, she's bullying She's such her. a dreamer. But, like, I think that goes into the whole narrative of the film. It's that... The boys are given, like, obvious signs that these girls have personalities and there are more things going on, but they choose to ignore them. Because if her sister's bullying her or pulling her hair, like, she's doing something, she has some agency there, but they'd rather her just be, like, lying in a meadow with a literal unicorn, like, skipping and blowing flowers.
0: It's very much a male thing of just wanting to focus on themselves and not actually listen to women.
1: Uh Even when you're literally reading their diary. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I think what the doctor, Hornica, played by... (laughs) Is a name, Played by Danny DeVito, yeah. it says is is true. Like the family needed to give her a bit of freedom and and go and spend time with boys and girls her own age and outside the codification of school. <laughs> I was like, the word codification—that's <laughs> that's taken word for word from the book too. Like, This is codification. <laughs> codification. Um, I will but, ask. Oh, can I? just Oh finish my god! Break? I'm so sorry. <laughs> However. I feel like even if they totally let down their guard, her mind was already made up. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. And
0: a good friend said to me once about a situation that if someone really doesn't want to be here and wants to leave, we can't be selfish by making them stay, mm-hmm. which is a different way of looking at it than I'm used to. But um, I think society at large isn't used to thinking about it that way. No.
1: Mr Danny DeVito, so he, he suggests to the parents that she should be he specifically says that she should be um, socializing with boys outside of the codification. Yeah, school. she
0: does say boys. Yeah,
1: but like, is that sage advice? We're like, okay, so she's not doing well. She needs to hang out with more
0: boys. Like, well, if- in saying that, his his assessment involved a Rorschach, <laughs> which we don't use anymore because it means nothing. When did we use them? In the seventies and before. Now. So you've never used? We had actually had a. We did have a Rorschach at my workplace once, and we had fun with it. Oh. That's cute. <laughs> it was very old. <laughs> uh, but no, we don't use it because it's it's not based on any solid evidence. It's it's really a psychodynamic tool that you would only use if you're a psychodynamic therapist, which I'm not, but also even in that um, field, they've been ruled out as not useful.
1: What's psych- psychodynamic?
0: What's well, psycho we'll Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Freud and Jung and, okay. and um, that Work. sort of other Work. stuff. Work, and, you know, she just answers questions... With, like, this, this, what are you doing? Like, his assessment isn't super solid, but, I mean, he got it wrong. He said, I don't think Cecilia truly meant to end her life. I think it was a cry for help, which he got wrong. Yeah. I think a central theme of why the girls end their life is they, their parents were trying to protect them, but their ways of protecting them actually made them want to end their life. Mm-hmm. So I think he was right in that sense that she needed more freedom and yeah. and experiences, um, but I think there was more to it than that. For yeah. Her.
1: Um, actually, another question I have with you, so we're talking about Cecilia specifically. It's said, in, like, posited in the movie that she is ins- inspired by the boy who.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: I love her. Yeah, I love her. I only remember Diana Port. I don't remember his name.
0: Dominic Palazzolo.
1: Dominic Palazzolo. Um, I was reading about um, social learning and mm-hmm. when um, suicide victims model their behavior of mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and something called the Werther effect, so it's like copycat suicide because the publicized or learned about suicide can trigger another. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, would, do, you, do you find that accurate in her case?
0: I don't, don't think.
1: <laughs> well, because he doesn't <laughs> complete suicide and it's not, it's it's not treated seriously.
0: <laughs> I, also, it's, I don't think it's treated seriously. It's in a completely different context from wanting to end your life for, for an actual reason of ending your life he, mm. he wanted to um confess his, confess love, his yeah. love and and denounce god yes that's right he so god, it yeah. was in his case it was absolutely just a, a spectacle mm-hmm. and i think she like when they read his her diary like it's not like she writes heaps about it she's yeah, like that rich the bitch yeah 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 um so i don't think that plays a part here in that first instance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah because he says it all started with him
0: yes like that's kind of that introduction that's, again the boy's own narrative yes yes that's true out. that's very true oh my god i gotta get out of this <laughs> this 13 year old brain brain waves brain waves um, <laughs> cause and effect yes very true but on that note let's talk about like the community's response and how that's kind of a reflection on society and how accurate that
1: and be. i think as a 13 year old i missed that quite yeah. a bit. Oh, same. I had no idea. I, I wasn't a history student at the time. <laughs> yeah, and all the reading I've done about it has been, it's really tied in with 1970s white America, conformity, affluence, being bored. Post-war. Post-war. I also, it took me a while to kind of cotton on the fact that I should just add feminism into my, criti- like, um, search in like, critiques and understanding <laughs> of it. But I don't know, what's his name again? Gio- Giovanni. <laughs> money
0: Rubisi, the
1: guy who wrote the book, <laughs>
0: Jeffrey Eugenetti. Eugenides.
1: Eugenides. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's intentional or not. True, like I don't know how deep it
0: goes in, but it's. Um, I think maybe. Yeah, the way. Yeah. the way that he. Um, he even says the word like "satanic panic." Oh my God. Well, <laughs> there we go. So there you go.
1: Um, but he is emulating through kind of the depiction of housewives gossip, what Betty Friedan. The author of the Feminine Mystique kind of mm-hmm. describes, um, which came out in the fifties, I think, post-war America. I'm not sure. Um,
0: 50s or 60s, yeah. um,
1: and she described how women in post-war America prescribed to find satisfaction solely in child-rearing and housekeeping, and um, kind of told by society not to look for a career. And The girls are very much trapped in that. Mm,
0: They have an extremely conservative family.
1: And Mrs. Lisbon is very strict and her sole job is homemaker. It's something you don't get when you're a 13-year-old is the satire of all the people talking about it. Yes. The news reporter, all of that. I just want to pass my head. It's, like, funny, like, especially the bit on TV about the pie and the rat poison. Like, that's...
0: And, um, like, the parents that are, like, she just wanted it out of that house. She just wanted it out of that decorating, decorating scheme. Like that <laughs> gossiping. Yeah. That, like, if you're not like us, then you're just weird. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to actually do anything about it but gossip about it.
1: Yeah. It's all about conformity. And mm. yeah. And also, like our previous episode, Queen Gamba, talking about discontent with women and housewives um, and women who looked for ways of self medicating and outlets. Mm. Um, like drugs and alcohol, and whatever that Zanlon, whatever that drug was that we're talking about, the green pills. Yeah. So the girl's suicide is a means of escape from that life.
0: And I think there's a real backlash to that too. Like it's not like suicide will be embraced by the community, but multi- multiple times, maybe, maybe not multiple times, but in the book and the movie, the narrator says um, a lot of the community blames the decline of our. our <laughs> Town of the girls. in the auto society.
1: the auto industry. And I, I was, yeah, I, was re- I was rewatching that the other day and I was like, what the fuck? What auto industry? But it makes sense because it's set in the Rust Belt in um oh. it's midwest America, which is where manufacturing Car parts happened had this massive boom after World War II, and then it declined from oh. the 1950s. So their suburbia, their idea of the American oh, dream, the is,
0: affluence. yeah,
1: is basically in decline.
0: Yeah, and I
1: think it's it's showing like all these white middle class mm-hmm. Americans just kind of like not really. going through a little identity crisis, probably. Yeah, I will say this movie is extremely white.
0: I was just about (laughs) to say that there's no people of color in this movie.
1: I can't even think.
0: Or, or the book, I think um, they mention there's black maids on the corner, so they have all
1: black maids on the corner. Yeah. So
0: what they do eliminate from the movie is black maids. A lot of these families probably had, yeah, servants because the
1: Lisbon's they seem. Wealthy, like they seem comfortable. They don't seem like over the top affluent. No, but a lot of the other people. But it was an affluent
0: neighborhood, yeah. so you probably could get by with not being rich.
1: Well, yeah, but he's supporting five girls on just like a teacher's salary.
0: Yeah, wow. get how does he do? It? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Shit, really, like, really now, teacher. You couldn't do that these days, mm-mm, that's for sure. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. But yeah, interesting the way that the
1: suicide panic mm. is kind of like into the satanic panic of. A little bit later, right? Eighties, nineties is more. Yeah, satanic I think panic. it was more
0: eighties. The satanic panic. It you know it, it all comes back to that. Kids are just dumb and do. Yeah, you know, they're so corruptible and they're not smart and and you've just got to be watching them twenty four seven. Otherwise, mm. they'll get up to stupid shit or things they think are stupid. And it's really that lack of understanding of adolescence, which is still a mystery to lots of parents <laughs> and me. Um, <laughs> And also that lack of understanding of of mental health, but also what is good parenting and what is abusive parenting. Because I mm, believe yeah. that the Lisbon parents were
1: well, yeah, abusive. And even doing my research about it, they just kind of describe them as strict parents, but no, they're like literal, they're,
0: they're literally they're,
1: abusive. They're yeah. keeping them prisoner. Like. And
0: and the way the parents just gossiped, mm. that conformity, that yeah. lack of conformity, <laughs> means that no one actually went. Hang on, this is a problem. We need to we need to try yes, and stop yeah. this from happening. We need to try and rescue the girls, or we need to call the authorities. Or, mm. You know, no one did that. They yeah. just gossiped about it.
1: And yeah, it's like that. It's four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Do you know? you cho- where
0: your children are? But like,
1: we we know what the solution is to the problem. If there's a suicide panic um, or a rise in suicides, we know the solution is like helping them get treatment, talk therapy, medication, whatever. But not controlling them more yeah you know? I don't know actually I'm not well, we know that now tell me. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah the world knows that now but obviously the parents didn't understand no, yeah no, they did not. on this note that lack of conformity from the boys perspective too what you mean like lack of like more that that us and them we just gossip about it we don't do anything about it creates rumors mm-hmm. so you know there's that idea that Paul Baldino walked in and saw her and they in the did, bathroom floor. in the bathroom yeah and the the narrative changes; it isn't that accurate when yeah. you, you don't have an open, honest conversation about it. Which still happens today. Whenever there's an incident at a school that I manage at work, the rumors you hear, based on people just not un, not knowing the actual yeah. details, are pretty crazy sometimes.
1: And I think rewatching it every time I wrote a little note about it, it ended with like, "just talk to them," <laughs> 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 like. Oh, they were asking for help. Yeah, you just like talk to them. Yeah, or like um, they came back to school act like um, like nothing was wrong. But we we couldn't figure them out. We didn't know what was. Just
0: ask them. Like, yeah. how are you? Like, what's
1: going on? No like,
0: one. And even you know when something comes up like that bit where they're talking about a book, portrait of a lady. Yeah, yeah And yeah. one of the students says, "Oh, it's really sad when he died." And she's <gasps> like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that." Like, you're not allowed to talk about death at yeah. all. Or
1: like it w- that's a that's a perfect. I spoke to be like, "Are you okay?"
0: Speaking of Bonnie. death,
1: um, yeah. <laughs> speaking
0: of death, but, but like I'm, no one knew how to talk about it yeah. or deal with it. But I think
1: it does do a good job of satirizing 1970s, wider affluent America, and um, highlights lack of information from the mass media. Like the, the news coverage is funny, and it's like mm. supposed to be funny, yeah. <laughs> and just the insensitivity, insensitivity as well of the reporter going to the door and being, asking her questions about Cecilia, the girls no. about Cecilia. Like, that's fucked. <laughs> and, like, I think we're supposed to be like, oh, Kathleen Turner's, like, telling her to go away, what a bitch. But it's like, no, no, that's pretty She's fucking fair. She's done the right thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I also wonder if the, the media portray is portrayed as funny because they're through the eyes of young boys. And you know when you're young and out of place, strange things happen, sometimes you interpret it as funny? When you're young, life looks different. To young eyes, because yeah. you've got more hope and you haven't been corrupted by the world, so yeah. things
1: they don't seem. As might seem funny, yeah,
0: when they're they're not.
1: Yeah, like okay. So if I was a young person watching that um, bit on the TV about the rat poison, the girl who baked her grandmother a pie and had rat poison in it, and she had all of it, she really likes sweets. <laughs> um, me watching Here's that, I might laugh at it as a child, but maybe the the report was. More serious in tone. Actually, you know what? I lied. So when um, I woke up on the day nine eleven it happened, I was sitting at the breakfast bar, and I was watching the planes crash into the twin towers, and I was making jokes about it because I was six and I thought it was funny. And Mum was like, "Shut that fuck up, you bitch!" Just, That's
0: what she said to me. Correct. No, but um, correct.
1: It's just not knowing the context and.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting point. And just not not knowing what to do with it. Yeah. And and it being so so far from your your life experience yeah. and understanding that it's just humorous. Yeah.
1: When the girls come back to school, they're like they came back to school as though nothing had happened. But from the perspective of boys who've like literally like never really talked to the girls, they just look at them. Like, what do they expect them to like, you know, yeah. like people deal with grief in different ways but also especially if you're not talking to them or like asking them how they are.
0: Well, they're still human and um, I think as we've said, the, the problem with this movie is the boys put them on a pedestal so yeah. they they analyse their every single move um, so how could they possibly be normal in their yeah. mind? Yeah.
1: But I, I just don't like how they seem
0: to they're shown to be like mysterious and... Like when he says when he's looking out the window at Lux and he says, she's laughing. Mm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> i have not say, is he remotely intelligent? <laughs> like, because he's spoken to her. Yeah. And also just because you're grieving doesn't mean you can also yeah, laugh sometimes. Laughing.
1: But also the girls, like after they walk into school, the girls are also seen in the bathroom and they're just kind of like, they don't look very happy. Yeah. Um. One of them's like turning a tap on and off and Lux is smoking. Um, so it's like, I don't, it's really weird because, like, as much as we're watching the movie through the male gaze, they're not privy to that moment. You know, the mm. boys... So that's actually them being themselves, I guess.
0: But I guess maybe it's the boys in their head justifying... Imagining. Or, this is... It, they have to be sad together. And this is yeah. True. With oh,
1: my God. Hot take. Oh God. But, yeah, it's, a, it's that thing of, like, private self and public self and, like, out in public. They're probably just keeping it together. And when they're not, they're not
0: happy. I, I think... There's definitely a theme of suicide being seen as a selfish act
1: mm. <laughs> uh, which is
0: a very true to to life belief that people hold mm-hmm. about suicide, at least when someone is extremely depressed and they see suicide as the only option they often see it as this is going to ease the burden of everyone around me. It's mm-hmm. usually like not selfish. It's, right? it's not. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's when I have been suicidal. I've been in a space where I can't see past not feeling very good. So it's not it's not selfish in the way that you're really thinking about yourself. You're just not in the right headspace. And you, neither should you. You shouldn't be thinking about other people when you're going through any problems. I don't feel, and
0: it's it's a it's a headspace that is not a logical headspace. No,
1: no, you're not. Your rational mind isn't thinking. So, but it's interesting because I was reading about at one point they talk about Cecilia setting her wrist like a stoic, which is stoicism is an ancient Greek philosophy that proposes the universe has a meaningful design, and in some cases that taking one's own life was part of the universe's overall design. Mm. Um, But then at the end of the book, they talk about it being a selfish act. So it's like Mm. the critique of this movie as glorifying suicide, I think is actually quite fair. Even with that line, like the the boys do find it attractive in some sense that Cecilia has completed suicide and the girls are dealing with whatever they're dealing with. I think in some ways it does glorify it a little bit or it can be seen to be glorifying it. Yeah. Which I don't like. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) But I guess balancing that glorification is that sort of how the adults perceive it as Mm. just senseless and silly. Like that that guy that in the the debutante ball throws himself in the pool and says, no, you don't understand me. I'm a teenager. I've got problems. problems. Like really minimizing it and treating it like, as an adult in the movie, he doesn't get it. But like treating it like it's...
1: Yeah. It's although it's a teenagers being dramatic, people yeah. being dramatic
0: and it's in ca- comparison to their like decadent, affluent, privileged life, it's like it's a bit similar to how millennials and zoomers mm-hmm. are treated today by yes. boomer generation yes, uh, where even though you know they would be the the people in this movie, the kids in this movie, yeah <laughs> and I guess because of that reason. There's often this misunderstanding and minimization invalidation of the problems yeah. and the anxieties that millennials and Zoomers face, which is uh, a direct result, a, a direct result of their of them. Of their
1: <laughs> but it also goes to show that it's like doesn't matter what generation you're from, the older generation is always going to think that the younger generation are overreacting, almost like yeah. You know, it's
0: uh, it's. I hope I'm not like that. No,
1: <laughs> I hope I'm not either. It's just like taking accountability, how your own actions as a generation or society has condemned the ones younger than them. Um, And it's
0: also just that whole, we pulled ourselves up by the bootstraps. Which every generation says, but like, all right, like... (laughs) It's not actually always the case. No created a housing bubble um (laughs) you didn't have one before you got to uni went to uni for free but it's like we worked hard so we created this life for you so you didn't have to want for anything Mm. what could you possibly be depressed about yeah
1: but also like the also the girls like they're stuck in this weird space um, between, like, having to conform to their parents' expectations and society's expectations of them being virginal and pure Mm -hmm. and innocent, but then also being subjected to the male gaze of being these, like, beautiful, um, magical, illustrious women. Mm -hmm. So they're in this, like, impossible, like, dichotomy that they can't escape. Yeah. And their only escape, I feel... I think the book's trying to say their only escape is suicide. But they're in an impossible situation, and either way they're going to be ridiculed for whatever they fucking do. So give them a break,
0: guys. <laughs> give them a break. Yeah. Um, I guess to finish that note about society, in the book and in the movie they talk about how the media sort of deals with it. The quote from the film is, The suicide of an East Side teenager last summer has increased the awareness of a national crisis. Psychologists today agree that adolescence today is much more fraught by pressures and complexities than in years past. More and more doctors say this frustration can lead to acts of violence whose reality the adolescent cannot separate from their intended drama. It's just... I've never actually given much thought to that line, but that's fucked. <laughs> like, it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, what what's an intended drama? Like,
0: it's like they, they can't separate stuff that's going on in their head that they want to create from reality which is just yeah or like,
1: it's like a fantasy so invalidating yeah
0: yeah um and then they you know, talk about d- doing some public health sort of stuff mm. within the school and within the community so they distribute pamphlets that were green we thought that was cheerful but not too cheerful but serious <laughs> at the same time like all the stupid stuff yeah people think about and then you know it's just talking about all the the signs about where their pe- pupils dilated? Had they lost interest in their sports and hobbies? Had they withdrawn from their peers? Which are legitimate oh. indicators of of, uh, of depression, not of suicide okay. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, because sadly as well, um, often a precursor to suicide can be an increase in, in happiness mm-hmm. symptoms as well, mm-hmm. as it might be because the person has finally ex- made the decision, made the decision yeah. to end their life. But, you know, it's that sort of panic and dealing with it in a really unhelpful way. Yeah. And I think on that note, too, the contagion effect, mm. which you touched on before, is sort of spoken about with that well, funny <laughs> baking yeah. pie.
1: Um, it's weird because I think it's like obviously a legitimate thing, like copycat suicide, but it's like they treat it as though it's this, it's like they treat it like a disease that's going through a virus. That's just like... The, the disease that are
0: going through the trees. The trees. In the movie. And in the trailer,
1: like, they cut that bit out of, like, it's a Yeah. So it will be gone by the end of the year or something.
0: <laughs> Which makes you think that they're thinking about the <laughs> girls, but they're talk, talking about
1: the trees. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, humans, you didn't
0: realise it was a simple thing. Now you know. <laughs> now I fucking know. No, I did read that song. I just forgot, all right? Um. <laughs> there is a contagion effect. It can be quite problematic. I've seen it um particularly self-harm as well not Mm -hmm. just suicide but how it comes out is less of a someone who's completely not suicidal suddenly becomes suicidal
1: yeah
0: it's more that we model things off our peers and Mm. we model coping mechanisms off our peers as well and and decisions off our peers so if we're already in a state where we're looking for an answer or looking for something to do then if someone else has done that, then that could incite that in us. But you know, it's like a, it can be managed really poorly, which which is often yeah. seen still. like in the, like world in the today.
1: movie, do you think that the way that suicide is dealt with in that way, or that, that contagion panic way, is part of the satire, or do you think that's dealt with poorly by the writer slash filmmaker?
0: I feel like it's supposed to be part of the satire. Okay, and I think Sophia put that in the film from the book. For that reason. Yeah. Because of everything we've kind of talked it's about. It's a little
1: bit more obvious that it is satire.
0: Because it's funny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, like, at the end with, like, the green algae had penetrated the mansions or whatever and they, that same, like... Which I'd is do the it. same
0: colour as the pamphlets. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um,
1: that's more subtle. Because it's also at the end of the movie, it kind of it just gives it a message that the virus got the girls, you know. Yeah, almost. now it's got the town and it'll
0: never yeah. be the same. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: But it's a lovely sequence. It's the best part of the movie. Like the music and. oh, anyway. oh I
0: just get it in my head whenever I think about
1: yeah, it. You, ben.
0: <laughs> Can we talk a bit about the depiction oh. of. The parents mm-hmm. in the movie? Mm-hmm. Yes. please. Get. So, like, as I said, I genuinely feel like their parents are, were abusive. Mm-hmm. Not consciously, they loved their daughters. Like, you know, they, they cherished every item as they grew up. Mm. They clearly loved their daughters.
1: Does the book go into a bit more detail of how they the parents kind of try and police the girls on, like, what they're wearing and stuff like that?
0: A little bit more... Than the movie, but still, I think it's depicted fairly well in the movie. Mm-hmm. There's things they get to do a bit more in the book too, like they still go to church in the
1: mm. book, but not in even the movie. in isolation. Yeah. Oh, actually, I guess he does say after going to a spirited sermon, she made Lux burner records. Like, yes, yeah. After yes. the sermon, so I guess they still are going to church, but the boys wouldn't know that. How do the boys know they went to church anyway? <laughs> How do they know they, <laughs> they went want to the, to the sermon? Too. Are they like they're well like they're stalkers? Like we've been over stalking. Anyway.
0: Let's talk about the mum first.
1: So I have a good quote about her um, that states, "'While superficially her intentions appear pure,' an innate manifestation of her motherly instincts, she inadvertently infects her daughters with all her parasitical shame and Catholic guilt, subconsciously cementing the vicious cycle by imbuing her own fears into her daughters.
0: Oh, that's well written. Where'd you get
1: that? From? I read it myself. No, <laughs> I didn't. But yeah, and I think it goes into religion a lot. Yeah, um, we don't really hear them talk about. Like we don't see the parents really being that religious. We just see iconography around. Yeah, a lot. lots.
0: And it's interesting that Cecilia has the, the mm. Mary, Virgin Mary card with her and that's what the girls used to, to sort of connect with the boys as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, is it that that guilt was contributing to Cecilia's decision to end her life because she felt trapped by mm. what her mum's beliefs were yeah. and they were imposed onto her and then you know, that's, that Catholic guilt is quite terrifying. Yes, it sounds so terrifying. I've never experienced it myself. Thanks, oh, Dad. Our our grandmother was a Roman Catholic. No, I didn't really. I didn't know her. I didn't you know, know her you, very you well. But, could, yeah. You, couldn't, you, couldn't, you can go to hell. You can, that was you the, can that was, go to hell. That was the truth. Or purgatory, which sounds worse than hell, if you ask me. <laughs> um,
1: no, it doesn't. <laughs> like, it plays into, like, the Madonna-Hall complex aspect mm. of Lux. And I think like, it also goes into the dichotomy of, like, and the boys as well. It just goes into everything, that they want her to be virginal. Her parents obviously want her to be virginal and pure and innocent, and the boys are pushing a different narrative onto them.
0: Yeah. And and if Lux indeed has as much sex as the boys seem to believe, mm. it's like she rebels against that yeah. Catholic virginity to... to it's probably actually not that extreme because if it was, you know, Tripp supposedly had sex with 400 plus girls. So Is that what it says in the book? In the book. Um, so, you know, if she was a male, no one would care. But no. because she's female, they care about how much sex she has.
1: But I was reading that, like, she supposedly loses her virginity to Tripp, which I didn't realise was... Well, maybe she was doing other stuff with the other
0: boys. Yeah.
1: But also, it's called The Virgin Suicides.
0: It's actually a reference to a song... That's right, in the official song in the book. Yeah, because I looked it up on Spotify and couldn't find it. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, what's the song? How's the song right? It's like Cruel Crux. Oh, no, it doesn't exist. Oh, but like, they don't... It's, oh, it's, there's, there's a line. Okay. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I didn't know that watching the movie, obviously. But, like, it's weird because it was talking about... I was reading something it was talking about virginity um, and how it relates to the movie. And I was like, there's not really much talk about virginity. And then I was like, no, it's literally the fucking title of the movie. Like,
0: <laughs> but... Yeah, I guess it's it's also... Even though Lux has a heap of sex, heap. the boys still see her as pure. Yeah, as well. They just, which is true. They're just fucking obsessed. <laughs> just because you have sex doesn't mean you're impure. But yeah, back to the mum. Mm. Like, just even that scene where they're having lunch and they go, "It's just meat on bread." <laughs> Thanks, Thanks mom. mom. But this, <laughs> I can't. I like that scene like, because it's the only time we
1: see them kind of like making fun of their mum and like it it shows that they have personalities but
0: what a horrible lunch they're just not allowed to have anything nice yeah 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 and she's just everything is under mum's control Mm -hmm. like when the when the doctor suggests that cecilia go and spend time with boys her age mum creates a chaperoned party for her when they don't leave the room yeah
1: yeah yeah they could have actually just like gone to them I don't know where they hang out, but yeah.
0: And I think she's just so nervous. She just wants to be so protected of them but doesn't see how being too protective can actually be damaging. Yeah. I'm confused about the
1: relationship with Mr. and Mrs. Lisbon as well Mm. because the whole movie and the narrative is all shaped by the male gaze and by men and men's power. (gasps) And he is so completely the opposite of that and Mm. he's so complacent and, like, he's under her control as well. So he's just an interesting character. And
0: um, I wonder if that's because it's what the boys perceived. I'm very much assuming that he wouldn't want the girls to go out with boys because often it's the the father that is really overprotective yeah. of their girls' sexuality. Yeah. But in the movie, it's like, I just do what the, the wife tells me. Jesus Christ. I just, like, it's like I've never seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so maybe it's the boys, sort of like, oh, poor Mr. Lisbon. But I think
1: that's why it's a little bit dangerous the way he's portrayed in the movie because we sympathise with him and we don't give him the accountability yeah, that he deserves he's just as because he's also in an abusive relationship with his children.
0: I wonder if he's on the spectrum. Let's go through the DSM. No, I'm joking. Oh. Um, but you know, he he's very quirky. He's very set in his own ways. He goes on and on about his own interests at that party and doesn't pick up. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, totally not interested.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, he talks complaints. <laughs> so, so, I
1: have think, you, have you photosynthesized your breakfast today? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's why I loved, I loved James Wood, I think. <laughs> that
0: little, yeah. yeah he was very cute, you? but you know, he's so, rem- he seems so removed from the grief and just going about his day, like nothing's happened. And it's, I don't think it's because he's not experiencing it; he just can't. Mm. Like when the father comes into the room and he's just like, "Oh, the wife's a bit under the weather." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just talks about the game the whole time.
1: I just kind of saw that as him being grief stricken, but
0: yeah, I think he is grief stricken, but his expression of it is like pretending it's not. Yeah, yeah. There's just a few little quirky quirks that might. No, I see it. That he's on the I spectrum. I see it. And you know, there's there's some real problems with the way they saw their girls which i think filtered through to the girls like all the other kids can go to the dance and the dad can chaperone the dance Mm. they can be on football teams and mr lisbon's very much involved in after school activities but his girls are not allowed to be involved it's like they are on a pedestal and they're more likely to be hurt by
1: the world. It's interesting as well because we we watch the boys just kind of like hanging out, um they're at each other's houses and they're out on the streets playing and things like that. And we never see the girls do that. No. Like they uh, there's a couple of shots with them like just on their front yard and that's like I think that's as far as they can go. Yeah. But yeah, they're very much kept separated from everyone else.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if that is a, a misogynist, a patriarchal thing. Yeah, I
1: think it probably probably young is. Girls. And just them having complete lack of agency. Mm. Through their own lives. But um the mother wants them to stay young. I think I remember reading something about how no family pictures pass like the age of thirteen or something.
0: Yeah, in the book they don't have any family pictures past when Therese turns twelve.
1: Yeah, because mm. mum wants them to stay young, I guess. She, yeah. And I feel like And prepubescent.
0: And maybe that's what Cecilia was preempting. Possibly. Is that she could see her her sisters growing up. Mm and the barriers that were placed around them to prevent them from actually becoming women, and she was never going to be able to become a woman. Yeah. Because neither were they.
1: But it's interesting, the things that the boys love so much about them, um, a lot of those things, like them being very toy and innocent and sexy and romantic, I feel like, have a lot to do with the way the mum
0: yeah. kept them. Yeah, she kind of put them on that pedestal for them to admire.
1: And all the, the imagery of their rooms and there's all their little trinkets and stuff is very kind of like girly and immature-ish.
0: And a common theme amongst girls that I know or have known that are very sheltered from the world and are seen as uh, are overprotective from their parents is they can be really judgy. And it's kind of like that they've grown up to believe that they're different and can't do the same things as everybody else and they're treated differently from everybody else. Mm. And it's like, no, no, you're better than that. You can't go riding in cars with Boys. Um <laughs> yeah. So as a result, they are sort of they're othering themselves those, in no way. The, yeah, they other themselves, sense. and then in order to cope with that, it's like, oh, well, everyone else is dumb and stupid. Mm. So they become quite judgmental of everybody else. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know that, and the reason why I say that is when they're riding in the car on the way to. Uh, the prom. prom, they're pointing out everyone's yards and making quite rude comments about yeah. Like, they're gossiping the whole time.
1: But I like that because, I like that bit because that one time you see them being... Just relax and... Yeah, relax and just talk amongst themselves and I guess they experience a little bit of freedom. They're really excited. They're like, ah, oh, we're out of the house! But yeah, no, that, that bit with um, James Woods when he, like, kisses his wife and one of the four <laughs> boys <laughs> and yeah. then, like, is like, oh. Like... <laughs>
0: Sorry, boys. I can't, I can't. I, it's just my wife's. I, yeah, I can't describe my like <laughs> face and movements. It's or... a shame he's a Trump supporter because that's such a good acting moment. Yeah. He's like, I'm, um, you know. Now I'll it's never a... watch a James Woods movie again. Oh, Joe. Let's talk about Joe to <laughs> finish off this section. I forgot about Joe. Joe. How could I forget about Joe? It's so bad because. He used to sing the song that he sings. Oh, in
1: the I book. used to I used yes, I did.
0: Um in the book he's he's actually I'm gonna say a, a rude word right now. He's actually known as Joe the Retard. Which is so bad, so offensive. And like it's nineteen ninety three, Jeffrey, could you have been a little Well too? yeah,
1: that's like you don't usually you hear people with disability referred to as like the R word or just like really fucked up things. Like in like the fifties or like mm. yeah like
0: in the movie and the book, they're like, oh, Joe's here. Thank goodness it'll line up the mood because now we can make fun of him and, and so use him bad. like a toy. And, like,
1: that's just problematic all round. Diana Griffith's <laughs> 1999. Do a whole episode on Joe. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> Sofia Coppola did not need to include that. <laughs> she
0: really could have got rid of Joe.
1: Yeah. Very easily. Why does cut Joe? It's not meaningful. It's not helpful. It's not. I guess it just shows how the kids are assholes. But like she cool. loves
0: music. Like, obviously, Joe was a plot device so that everyone sort of like. Oh, was distracted. Yeah, the mood gets lightened. Oh, yeah. And it's like every moment in the film and something, something, they good. have a good time, something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was obviously a device to get from A to B. Mm hmm. Why? She loves music. Why couldn't one of the boys put on like a song they all love? Like, like yeah.
1: Could have been literally
0: anything, Could I I don't know. and I think
1: <laughs> I will say this hot take as like someone who's never made a movie ever. Did you know? Um, I think a lot of the critiques I have from this movie, someone who's maybe a bit older or someone like further in their career and more confident to maybe change the plot a little bit. Yeah, Probably. She
0: really didn't change it much at all. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I was reading, I'll just say this now. Um, the author talks about how if he like, he liked the movie and I think he consulted on it, but if he were to adapt it, he would have made the girls maybe like one, because they are like one entity in the book. Mm. They're not, they don't have really have individual personalities. Um, and he talks about it. If he were to redo it, it would um, to have different actresses playing the girls at different times, depending on who's talking to them, mm. because it, it goes to, like, it plays into the fact that the girls aren't anything. It doesn't matter who they are, what they look, well, it does matter what they look like, but it doesn't matter who they are as people, it's about what the boys think of them.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So he was saying, that's too avant-garde to do, so it wouldn't quite work. Maybe but,
0: you could do it. Well, maybe I could. But that, that plays into, like, one of the last lines of the film, which was, like, It didn't even matter in the end how old they had been or that they were girls, but only that we had loved them and that they hadn't heard us calling, still hear us calling out from out of those rooms where they went to be alone for all time and where we will never find the pieces to put them back together. So he pretty much admits in the book, like, it didn't matter that they were girls or how old they were. It was just how it impacted us. Yeah. And that we wanted to help them. Like,
1: it literally doesn't matter what their names are. Like, it doesn't matter... (laughs) Anything about them? It's just that like they looked pretty, and we were going through puberty and had lots of testosterone in our yeah, dicks, it and we who wanted we,
0: who we are as adults today. Yeah,
1: it's just it would have been interesting to see Sofia Coppola take the book and maybe I don't know subvert it a little bit, or just make it clearer to us as the audience that this isn't actually what's going on because yeah. you can watch it without even knowing.
0: I think there's hints of that. Like there you know, are when, hints when Trip sees. Lux for the first time, you see that little flash yeah. in her that yeah. sparkle in her eyes, which is like she enchanted him. Obviously that didn't really happen. Yeah. But <laughs> There's little bits like that.
1: I'm like but as a you know, as a young person and even I'm sure people today, it's just like a, a interesting film technique. Yeah, you know, exactly. like it's not it's it's it is obvious once you realise what you're looking for, but
0: Lots of movies. You can do cool shit in movies. Yeah, all the
1: time. I would. It'd be interesting if someone sat down and watched this who didn't know anything about it, who you know wasn't really dumb, um, and see what their take was. You yeah. know, like I don't know. Maybe it's just because most people watch this when they're teenagers and love it when they're teenagers. Yeah.
0: We've kind of touched on them a lot already, but let's just summarise problematic stereotypes. In the movie,
1: um, the girls are literally all stereotypes
0: because yes. they
1: everything is a stereotype. Literally, this everything movie. is a stereotype about them. We don't learn anything about them individually. They're a collective. They're a singular identity, except for Lux, who stands out a little bit. Mm.
0: Um, I will say, except for Cecilia, because she's she does things in a different timeline from everyone else.
1: Yes, yes, but there is no other way to see them than stereotypes because stereotypes are based on prescriptions for behaviour things that you assume or people should do. Um, And when the girls do, like more when Lux kind of like works outside of her prescribed behavior, that's when the boys are like flummoxed.
0: (laughs) But Um, then she has the stereotype of being like a little slut. Yeah.
1: Basically. (laughs) Well, that's she's re- that's yeah.
0: how they describe yeah. her without saying Yeah, word.
1: she's a rebellious one. So, you know, in the same way, she is prescribing to that idea of...
0: Yeah. And I think basically what actually happens is little things happen to the boys and they fill in the gaps. Yeah. So they fill the gaps in with stereotypes. Yeah. So there's no getting out of it.
1: Um, let's talk about Lux. Yeah. And her... I'm surprised I've gotten through this without um, saying the word term manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> like... <laughs>
0: This is a very manic pixie dream girl thing, isn't God. it? Yeah, I, I actually haven't, I didn't write that anywhere in my notes. Yeah, it's, it's the surprising. first
1: thing I thought of when I thought about it well, recently. Mm. Um, so, the term manic pixie dream girl was interestingly coined by Nathan Rabin, a film critic, um, who watched. Kirsten Dunst's performance in <laughs> Elizabethtown.
0: Kirsten, you have a lot to answer for, yeah.
1: babe. Um, and I don't even remember that movie. I've kind of oh, forgotten.
0: I remember I, it a little bit, but... It's so bad. It's so on the nose. Ugh, yuck.
1: It's shit. Um, but the term refers to women who exist solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures, which basically means... That a woman is central to the plot for a man's development, or they, yeah. they come in and they change their life.
0: We talk about it a little bit in me before you because there's the manic pixie dream girl trope, and then there's the dis- dis- oh, disabled man trope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both supposed to like help the other through, Ugh. and then they battle off. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, she's not like her, not
1: like the other girls. She's slim, dainty, long hair, fair skin. She has lack of independent purpose. She exists purely for men to you know, teach them things, learn about themselves.
0: Which they all are in this movie, but particularly lot. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, example, Other
1: examples, Kate Hudson Almost Famous, Jennifer Aniston in A Long Polly, Natalie Portman, Portman Nathlin. in Garden State, oh, yep. um, Zoe Detchanel in Everything, <laughs> <laughs> um, 500 Days of Summer, Audrey Hepburn; Audrey, Audrey, Audrey
0: Happen. Audrey, Audrey, hap- yeah, yeah. Audrey Happen
1: in pretty much everything as well, I think. But yeah, Lux is that. And like, as much as she has no, literally no voice, because it's all the male voice. boy's voice. voice. Well, the girls as a collective, they're there to teach the boys about, like, they're always thinking about them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. um,
0: And they say in the book, like, every sexual encounter I've had is actually Lux. You know? It's like
1: Lux. Like, (laughs) So every time you have sex, you think about a 14-year-old girl. Who is dead.
0: freak. Yeah. No, 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 no. I think that's an important thing to acknowledge, too, that they're all underage. Yes. Cecilia's thirteen, um, Lux is Lolito-y. fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Lux is the m- most sexual one, and she's the youngest after Cecilia. Yeah, dies. I'm pretty sure she is. Yeah, and she's having sex with adult men constantly, which you know in the seventies you could get away with, but it's also statutory rape. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> so that's yeah. Not addressed at all no. in the book and the movie. But it's interesting because, in the in the
1: boys' minds at least, they seem to be quite sexual. But the girls themselves, besides Lux, who doesn't seem to be that overtly sexual really... She's just
0: a teenage girl. Yeah,
1: but the other girls trying to, don't... Trying to get by. Yeah, the other girls don't seem sexual at all. No. They're no, like,
0: they're the opposite.
1: Yeah, and yeah. they're very shy and reserved... It seems,
0: and it's 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 probably a an outcome of of their upbringing that they just have no understanding of how to date, how yeah. to be around boys, what sex is like. For Lux, she may use it as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. We only know from what the boys believe, and you know, I'm assuming the others see it as like you don't have sex until you're married. Yeah, yeah. so it's like either way, they've got these probably not healthy associations with sex. Mm-hmm. And they're not given any modelling or understanding. No. even having a kiss in front of the girls in your wife is like all shit. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Look at that! Whoopsies.
1: <laughs> it romanticizes females dealing with depression. Well, mm-hmm. what I assume is de- depression, um, mm-hmm. but it also feminizes depression. Yes, I think, and suicide as well, which is interesting That's so true. because males are more likely to complete suicide. Yeah, they're, they're
0: more at risk of suicide. Yeah, so it's yep. an
1: interesting concept. But it also I think that's a societal thing that's true in society. You associate suicide and the, um, that selfishness of it as like an, a female trait. Yeah. Um, and which isn't true, by the way.
0: No, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 that view that women are hysterical, that emotions are for women, not for men. Mm. Um, this movie is full of that. Yeah. much. I don't like
1: how Cecilia shows up on the boys' beds after she's died because uh, if it was a depiction of them going through grief, uh, maybe you could understand
0: it, but yeah, like, they're not
1: going through grief because they didn't know her. True.
0: Yeah. On that note, I did write that sometimes in grief, um, it is common for people to see like apparitions or, mm. you know, I guess you could say hallucinations of the person that they've lost. Yeah. But as you say... <laughs> the person they have lost is in their heads yeah yeah and maybe there's <laughs> i mean in the book the narrator does talk about you know cecilia is someone we grew up with yeah okay um as is all the girls but it doesn't mean they necessarily knew her you can yeah. still sure grieve someone you don't know that well yeah 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 well, i agree um, i grieved David but that Bowie. sort of intense grief including seeing her yeah would suggest there's more of a deeper relationship there
1: going into that romanticization of suicide it's like in the context of being an adult the idea of me completing suicide and boys fantasizing not fantasizing but like you know hallucinating me that is ridiculous to me now (laughs) like me wanting that but when I was a teenager like I'm sure like that's something I probably would have wanted, and yeah. like someone who is really insecure, it just sounds—it seems so alluring and sexy to be like, "Oh, they're gonna think about me when I'm gone," you
0: know? Like that's a huge part, yeah. And it's—it's yeah.
1: it's a bit. I think that's um, dangerous.
0: Yeah, I because
1: agree. it. I'm not not saying that I would have ever followed through on that, but it.
0: Just doesn't send the right message. But especially the fact that the girls were so trapped and then their, their end created such a change in the community. That could be viewed if someone was that depressed and considering suicide to be like, well, even if I mean, it's a negative impact, at least, at least it's, it's an, Im- an impact. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: so, yeah, that, that is a problem.
1: The, I think the lack of clarity it's purposeful of course like the caveat of everything I say is like it's on purpose I get it like not giving us a proper introduction of who they are as people I know that's on purpose but because they're unattainable and they're beautiful and they're lovely and desirable it gives us support to the stereotype that people with mental illness are also kind of unattainable and help like helpless in that way of like they don't have agency or they don't have
0: we can't do anything about them yeah they're destined for their demise yeah so i just if we made it in 2021 we'd just write it a different way i think i I don't think it would yeah (laughs) As well accepted and I think on, on that other note, it's it's very much like depression and suicide being like a mystery that we just will never yeah. be able to solve. It's like, like I know there's more research to be done, but we we know. But even like there's so many obvious reasons why they would have suicided, but the boys yeah. are still like oh, no, we don't know why. It's like you, no one could ever po- possibly find out. Maybe because like.
1: It's not them filling in the gaps that the parents took them out of school and kept them locked up in the house. They know that for a <laughs> fact. And it's like, there's your reason. Also, why didn't the school, like, call the police? Why didn't the boys call the police? They are like, please help us. Yeah. Call the fucking police. I know ACAB, but, you I'm, know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on.
0: Uh, yeah, the, the teacher's like, hey, we haven't seen your girl in, like, three weeks. And then the dad's like, did you check out back? Yeah, and he's
1: like, oh, that's, that's true. I didn't check out back. Maybe.
0: Call somebody. Yeah,
1: please. Like, the
0: authorities of some kind. Child
1: Protective Services, like,
0: bitch, it's no good. I mean, Child Protective Services in the 70s were probably a complete pile of shit, but yeah. there were... There it, are things like... exist. Yeah.
1: People could have done something.
0: Um, And as you kind of mentioned before, there's a lot of stereotypes about girls, like the Madonna-whore complex, mm. so... Lux is sexualized, and then she loses her virginity, so she's punished. Yes, and everyone else is punished as well. Yeah,
1: like quite literally, like like as a direct result of her having sex. It's yeah. like very like explicit.
0: Yeah. Also, girls be crazy. Yeah. When they read Cecilia's diary, and this is I wanted I wanted to definitely mention this, like that emotional instability <laughs> that he says about her because she dots her eyes everywhere. And he says, she's a dreamer, somewhat completely out of touch of reality. When she jumped, She probably thought she could fly, mm, which is you. such a lame line. Also, he's like 13 and 9. But a really problematic stereotype of if you read someone's diary, then that is how you should colour how you see them. Mm. Like, someone's diary are the innermost thoughts. Some people write crazy shit in their diary. And it's not a
1: complete it picture. Doesn't it doesn't mean they're crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And in today's world, this is very relevant. Because of what's happening in the Australian Parliament at the moment, where a woman who has since died by suicide accused the Attorney General General, General. um, of sexual assault towards her, and her friends have followed that up since her suicide. And as a result, one of the Attorney General's mates published her journal. And used it to discredit her Not claims. What about it was discrediting? Well, um, she must have written some stuff because she was feeling suicidal and depressed or who who knows. And he's saying that, oh, she's she was mental, mentally unstable. So we can't you trust her anything. Her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't trust anything that she says you can't trust her claims because she's crazy. Yeah. Which is just so fucked up so fucked up. Some of the
1: thoughts that run through my head, like, like boy, you don't want to know. <laughs>
0: like, it, yeah. It's just such an outdated stereotype that women are crazy and when yeah. they write in their diaries, whatever they write means that is how they feel and think all the time. Yeah. And this is happening in 2021. Yeah, fuck. It's getting better,
1: but is it? Ooh. Got know. worse this
0: week. If uh, justice is served, then we can say that. I guess on that note as well, there's that stereotype that boys will just never understand girls. They're yeah. so different from us. They're a different. They're on a different planet. And like a plane. that, the way they
1: describe the girls is just just like I know it's their projection, but they sound like really shitty boys. Like mm. after reading the diary, they felt the imprisonment of being a girl. The way it made your mind active and dreamy, and you ended up knowing what colors go together. We knew that the girls were really women in disguise, and that <laughs> they understood love and even death and what? our jobs was to merely create the noise that fascinated them. We knew that they knew everything about us and that we couldn't fathom them at all. Like, what the fuck does that even mean?
0: And, you know, someone who's a little bit extremist would be like, well, that's good because, yes, boys mean nothing. They just make noise that we like and we are in control. But, no, it's saying that it's very uh, misogynistic because it's saying that we're so different from each other and we should be separated from each other and, um, to be a girl, for each other.
1: Yeah. And to be a girl innately means that you know what colors go together and <laughs> that your mind is active. Like I think female minds are active because I think they have to be because you have so much more to think about than men a lot of the time um, especially because
0: we are constantly in making danger. sure we're safe yeah, yeah.
1: Um, women aren't innately dreamy um, <laughs> and I don't understand why Girl, like what girls are really women in disguise like, it's I just, just don't, when
0: do we understand love and even death yeah I don't understand love our brains our definitely don't understand death same.
1: yeah I don't know everything about men. Like, if I did, then I would be so confused all the time.
0: Because, like... It's also, which we haven't said before, it's all very heteronormative. Oh, yeah. As well. Yeah. (laughs) It's just straight white boys love straight white boys. There's definitely... I mean, there's only one depiction of... Oh of my god! A, of a gay man, <laughs> I forgot about that. And that's Trip's dad. It is like a
1: funny moment because it, you don't expect it. I think, based on the context of this really conform, like conformative seventies, like and white America, it just like you don't expect to see like Trip having gay dads. Yeah. It's
0: just like it just the like they're smiling. It's just funny, but and like it's, it's not really a big thing in the movie. No, it which, isn't, which is um, a good thing, I guess. Uh, like he's not. Ashamed of it or anything, and yeah. no one seems to. And the have guy's a fucking
1: off, like all the girls in school has has a gay dad. Yeah. I assume.
0: However, the fact that Trip ends up in rehab at the end of the movie, yeah. like, is that trying to say something? Hopefully, that just means he's <laughs> a piece not. of shit. And I yeah. just don't understand why he left her on the field because he was a fucking misogynistic prick. Yeah, he was
1: like he was he like he would used her up, and it was, he was that up.
0: Madonna horror. Yeah,
1: so now that she's completed the the sex <laughs>
0: and in, even in the book he's like I really liked her but then I was just sick of her yeah because he I, fucked
1: yeah. her yeah oh cool that's a really good explanation <laughs> um, but like you know like I I would never taste that kind of love again or like like
0: what you don't you, he was like what fifteen like he, he doesn't know what love well, is well it's infatuation it yeah. wasn't love yeah so
1: you probably yeah. never will taste it again and
0: that's the problem like teenage infatuation is not the same as love no. and as I said you know Trip was supposed to have sex with 400 plus women and and you know that was okay back then and it's it's very much i don't know i feel like that men are always chasing that infatuation yeah and women don't get to do that no because <laughs> we're busy pumping out kids and, but like, and yeah. cooking
1: and cleaning i think once the infatuation is is gone women are less exciting and
0: and you just want to move on to the next yeah. exciting thing yeah, yeah. Um, is it a stereotype or is it accurate? Who knows? <laughs> it's both, maybe <laughs> it's both. Um, just one other stereotype is that like his his dad doesn't know what kind of advice to give him. Maybe because yes. he's gay, just be yourself.
1: <laughs> um, but that's like it's a it's, I mean, it's a bad. It's good ass. advice <laughs> that he's like talk to her instead of just like throwing her around and like watching her like the other boys do. But
0: don't call her on the phone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um the the whole Lux and Trip dynamic is very like treat a main kick and keen thing because like yeah. Lux like doesn't show interest in Trip and therefore he's like he's obsessed, obsessed with her yeah and it's just gross and it's something that I like you know my teenage brain would have been like
0: <laughs> yeah stereotypical is there any other stereotypes that we didn't touch on obviously there's a lot but I think we covered most of them yeah
1: I think it's pretty like a good summary is because we never really get to meet the girls. Their whole being are stereotypes. Their whole existence in the narrative yeah. is a stereotype. Yeah.
0: And hence what happens to them is presented in a very stereotypical way. hmm mm.
1: I did read a little, like, I was seeing, saw something that was talking about how su- their suicide is an act of rebellion, an act of autonomy, um, in that they all choose different ways to suicide, and they apparently all fit their personality. I'm not really sure, but we don't know their personalities. Um <laughs>
0: there's no extra personality in the book so yeah
1: um but they all use like household items as well it's kind of like domesticity yeah played out um like the car mary the oven bonnie i don't know why i know this but <laughs> the rope it's hard hanging. Not to remember and what was the other one
0: sleeping pills. was
1: therese therese yeah, yeah. and she's the one who doesn't die oh no it's the Mary
0: Mary's the, the one who doesn't oven, die in a yeah. book from the oven but then she uses sleeping pills yeah 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 mm. let's finish off with is this movie helpful is it harmful? How is it helpful or harmful? Let's start with helpful. <laughs> I wrote here the girls don't wear much makeup. Good, but you put that in harmful. <laughs> I meant to put in helpful. <laughs> that's so good.
1: But um, yeah, so good that they don't wear makeup.
0: Like even I don't think
1: they're allowed to wear makeup
0: though. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah. But it was. It's just nice to see a movie where they're just naturally beautiful. Like Kirsten Dunst is naturally a beautiful person, mm. and also all her flaws are d- on display as well. Like a little snaggletooth. I mean, you can't make up that away. <laughs> she could have
1: got corrective surgery. <laughs> I'm joking. They're all um, skinny as fuck, too, but anyway.
0: Yeah. I guess it was helpful because suicide wasn't spoken about in the 70s, but the book came out in 1993. Yeah, no, yeah, So yeah. I don't think you can give it that. The way that it is presented
1: as a panic to the people in the community at least stresses its significance or it's... A, yeah. It, it is...
0: I think it's an important conversation to have based you know how the society and how the community see something that is actually not that out of this world um Mm. and needs to be acknowledged and validated for what it is and i think it's still an important conversation we need to have today because mental health is so terribly funded woefully underfunded and really misunderstood all that our government seems to do is just throw money at it by putting more money into new programs that all do the same thing without Mm. actually really understanding how to decrease the risk factors Mm -hmm. of these things. For example... Increase JobKeeper. keeper. Yeah. <laughs> you oh might see a few less
1: suicides if you increase JobKeeper. That was such a big thing as well. I remember, like, just people, like, in, in that kind of panic sense, people talking about suicide linked to coronavirus. Like, mm. suicides suicides are going to go up or suicides have gone up. Like, but there's, also, I'm not sure if it actually did or not. I'm not 100% sure. Well,
0: but, it depends on what stat you read. I've been told that suicides have not gone up but self harm and mental health issues have I can
1: I totally believe mental health And I
0: health genuinely issues, yeah. feel I hope, uh, this this sounds a bit harsh but I th- honestly think it's because people have not had the the means to complete suicide because we've been stuck at home all time in what way there's no privacy Yeah um, access to means would have been reduced because of not being able to leave your house
1: mm-hmm. and being constantly around people oh, and constantly yeah.
0: surveilled, yeah, true, yeah. yeah, yeah. But mental health has gone, oh yeah, way up, and and, and in the schools I work with, way up, and look, we'll I'm, see effects of this for
1: a very long time. I know money isn't supposed to buy happiness, but it kind of fucking does, it right? When of, you don't have any, like, well,
0: look, not having much money, high risk factor, yeah, yeah. So yeah. say what you will about that, yeah. I do think it's helpful to see how a parent's response to suicide can be very well-meaning, but inadvertently make the problem worse. Mm-hmm. Like there's that ex- they 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 love their girls and they wanted to protect them and they thought they genuinely thought they'll be safe when they're at home, but their overprotection is yeah. eventually what killed them. The root of all evil. And every time they had a little bit of freedom, something bad would happen. So I, I understand why. Yeah, the like
1: cause and effect mindset of all of that.
0: But it's a very emotionally dumb (laughs) way of thinking and and but it also i can understand as a parent i don't want anything bad to happen to my child yeah not even just as a parent obviously you don't have to be a parent to know um (laughs) but like if
1: i look at it as the way it's intended to be viewed and read I still don't see it as particularly helpful. Like, I understand it's a critique of the male gaze and our obsession with viewing females as these romantic goddesses that literally don't exist. I don't know if it's it's funny and it's interesting, but it's not helpful.
0: I think it would be more helpful if the parents weren't so overwhelmingly strict and yeah. Catholic and... yeah. Yeah, they were kind of more almost caricatures of protect a protective parent. Yeah,
1: and, like, I don't know if suicide is actually linked to the male gaze in the way that is. Like, they didn't, I don't think... I'm sure it doesn't help. I don't feel like they completed suicide because of the male gaze.
0: No, no, not at all.
1: And I just... I don't
0: know. I it's a weird
1: book to write. <laughs> like, why did this guy write this book? Eugene, Eugene Levy, why did he write the book?
0: <laughs> Eugene Levy, we love you.
1: <laughs> the, I feel like the film is too subtle in its uh, satire and mm. its critique. I think, mm. like I said at the very beginning, it's that I think it requires a certain level of emotional intelligence and even if you have it, it's very easy to miss the point of the movie. Yeah. And the author, Risa Coronel... Oh, yeah, you um, mentioned her. Too. Yeah, at the beginning, um, how she, she said she understood and related the guys but completely missed the point. Um, she was talking about her own experience with the movie and also experiencing um, mental illness as a teenager and that she had quite an unhealthy fixation on the girl's suicides. Um, And she was later diagnosed with depression and anxiety, but the work of fiction legitimised her desires to hurt herself Mm -hmm. and that she'd seen the same thing happen to people from her high school like in relation to the movie. Mm -hmm. So in my personal experience, I probably wouldn't act out something from a movie. That's just my personality, but... I'm, but
0: that doesn't mean other people might not. No. And they often do.
1: And it does sound a little bit...
0: It's, to me, it, for me to
1: say, like, it's dangerous because people might copy it, sounds over the top for me to say that, but I don't think it is. Not in this way.
0: Yeah. I, th- I do think there is a sense of responsibility there, because this film is very much marketed as, like, dreamy high yeah. school girls. like. The soundtrack, which we bought more than one copy of because I think we, we lost oh my one. God. Yeah, we like our family was obsessed with this movie. Yeah. You know, it's got it's you know, drawn in, in love hearts and stars and yeah. mangoes and girls kind of riding. Like it's very, it was very well marketed as this quirky, cute, but also. Serious movie, yeah, and that had staying power. I think. yeah, the way the whole because it but is a really well their styles and the music and the fashion. Yeah,
1: because it's a really well made movie.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and it it is co- it's like cool. It's like it's and it's quirky. I hate the word quirky, but like even watching the trailer, it's like the type of trailer I really like, where you don't really see much of like what the movie's about. Yeah, it's cut but together. You just watch it. Yeah, it's cut together really like stylistically very interesting and. It's just, paired with the subject matter, it's, I think it can be quite dangerous mm. and harmful in that way.
0: Yeah, but I do agree. I just don't
1: think it's obvious enough that we're, what we're watching.
0: I think at the time when I was probably most impressionable, I wasn't suicidal. No, I wasn't but either. If I wasn't was, either. I was, that could have been really problematic.
1: Yes, I agree. I do agree. Because I don't, so I watched it at the start of like high school, like grade eight. I didn't. My depression didn't get really bad to, like, the end of high school. And I was probably a little bit mature by then as well. But, like, if I had been feeling that way when I was younger, I don't know, it may have had a bigger impact yeah. on my mental health. Yeah. Because I really loved it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I really loved it. <laughs> but I think you were probably the same as me. Is We didn't love it because they suicide.
1: No, 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 no.
0: But we were coming from a place of more mental stability than other people. Yes, yes. Which wasn't saying anything. And I think it. we
1: probably liked it for the... The, the film itself as well, because we love movies, yeah. you know. We we love Have cinema.
0: You
1: heard? <laughs> we love cinema. Um, so maybe we liked it for different reasons. But you know,
0: I will say though, like I think Sophia Coppola did a pretty fucking great job. She with this did. Film. She really did. She really did. However, she took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, <laughs> I didn't mind *The Beguiled*. I haven't actually seen *The Beguiled*, but that somewhere. Oh, horrible. <laughs> and the bling the, ring the bling ring was <laughs> it is so crap i didn't mind it oh it was but, because i bad. heard it was
1: so bad i expected it to be worse I yeah think.
0: well actually we ended up michael and i ended up downloading like the telemovie version of it <laughs> we started watching it was like and we heard it was bad but not this bad <laughs> also i don't know any of you wait where's <laughs> where's them, where's Wilson? them Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> so when we watch it we're like, oh this is better. Oh, but no, not, not that not, much not better.
1: good. <laughs> this is a quote that I think summarises my point very well. Whether it was Coppola's intention to create characters in The Lisbon Girls that could easily be viewed as these one-dimensional stereotypes for the purpose of satire, or because she's actually failed to recognize and resist portraying these negative stereotypes, is relatively unimportant. The problem is that they are present and that they are being perpetuated, even in a film that claims to satirize the very machine that it accidentally becomes a part of.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't read that out as good as I could.
1: But, um, no. It's yeah, isn't... and it's, I think that's it in a nutshell, really. that's all I, could have, I could have just read that out and we just call it quits.
0: Yeah. But, um, well, let's do it. Yeah,
1: let's call it quits.
0: I just have one last thing to share with you. Okay. So this film impacted me so much that (laughs) the bit in the movie cinema where Lux and Trip Trip are, like, just about to hold hands and it goes really, really slowly, inch by inch. I did that in a cinema with the guy I was dating at the time the first time we held hands.
1: (laughs) Did you do that on, like, on purpose to, like, recreate from the...
0: Well, it sort of <laughs> happened naturally, but Both of us were thinking of the movie at the time. Oh really you
1: both. Oh. Was holding hands a big deal? Like I mean, I bit? was
0: like nineteen, I think. <laughs> no, eighteen.
1: You'd held hands before. <laughs> yeah, i have
0: done more than hold hands. Before, oh my say. god. Oh no. Yeah,
1: that's really it was do. just very
0: cute at the time, but uh, now
1: it's disgusting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now it's disgusting in you. Yeah. I think we've covered it. Did you li- <laughs> did we like, like the
1: movie? I did really like the movie. I still really liked the movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed watching it. And at the end of it, I was like, fuck, it's a great movie. Yeah, and I think this
1: has come at the right time in my life. Because yeah. I've, I've loved it, and then I've really not liked it. Or not, not liked it, but just not really felt quite right about it. But now I'm comfortable liking it again, wholeheartedly. But just having a few things to say about it. Yeah.
0: And now I've got it all out, so it's fine. our mm-hmm. final scores lived experience some points there but not not really like a couple. not really well yeah, yeah. But the authors like, no one had a suicide in their lives that we could no except, for, except the, for depression except for
1: um, Eugene Levy's nephews babysitters who <laughs> thought about it thought about as it as a group yeah. so no
0: um, oh, Kirsten Dunn's she's not the main character but um, a prominent character has had depression so maybe yeah. half a point for that accuracy for the time... Yeah, I think it is. It's, the aspects
1: of it are pretty accurate, I think. Given that it's through... Their boys' the, lens. The, the,
0: the male gaze lens. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Some of the, the ways they describe things, I don't think all boys feel that way. Stereotypes. Stereotypes. We're just zero out of Yeah, pretty
1: rife. It's
0: pretty
1: just, bad. I don't know anyone who's not a stereotype.
0: And helpful or harmful.
1: I'm giving it a, a, a big lean towards harmful.
0: Yeah. Well, shit, it doesn't do very well, does no, it? Because
1: I think it's, ins- it's an insidious movie that presents itself as something that it's not.
0: <laughs> no, but I think it's... It's a commentary, but it also deals with the subject it's commenting on not very pretty bad. badly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like the movie. I love the movie, but I think it's a harmful movie. Now that I'm older and wiser, I, I, it's not as harmful to me, but...
0: And I guess what... Didn't make me immediately want to do this movie. Is it's not really a movie about mental illness. No, it isn't. It really isn't.
1: Even though it's literally the title, like, suicide is the title of the movie, it's not treated within the lens of mental illness no. whatsoever.
0: But I do think it did, it actually played some role in shaping our oh, lives yes. and thoughts and feelings about teenagehood and suicide and mental illness. Just as the boys project onto the girls. So do so, we. So do we. So do we. So are the days of Ella.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Mans. Thank you for having me. It's just been lovely. Yeah, it's, it's been, been so very nice. So beautiful. Some... Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe us on your Please. podcast app. Uh, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, and Facebook. And join our Patreon. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye. See you later. Have it. A-